Praise the Lord. All right, title of this is Fill the Earth. I'm going to do the best that I can. I didn't get a chance to refine it. I just kind of wrote some stuff down. And uh, let's see if we can learn something from it. Genesis 6, 9 through 18, the Bible says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I think they were known as the Three Stooges. No, I'm just kidding. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. By the way, a cubit is about a foot and a half, somewhere around there. So you're looking at about a 450 foot long, about 75 foot wide, and about 45 foot high. So make a roof for the ark, finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with a lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a great uh, a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Now, the text that grabbed my, the, the verse that grabbed my attention was in 613. It says, God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Filled with violence through them. The Greek translation actually says, filled with violence from them. The context suggests that the earth was filled with violence with man being the instrument or the source from which that violence entered the earth. Of course, we know that the source that was motivating the man was the enemy, the devil, who was behind the temptation of Adam and Eve and was lying at the door of Cain's heart. Genesis 3 and 1, if you remember, the Bible says uh, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, I'm assuming, because we've, we've gone over this text quite a bit, but just in case that you understand God created uh, the earth, God created Adam and Eve, God created them good, uh, God said to them, he created them in his image and his likeness, he said, and we'll get over this, and we'll get here in a minute, but he said, uh, be fruitful and multiply, um, he gave Adam a task. The only thing that he said to Adam uh, that he was not able to do was, uh, you're not able to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from any other tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, what happened, we see from our, this last verse that we read, they ate. And uh, they, when, when the Lord came looking for man, and by the way, uh, that's another message in and of itself, is that Adam didn't go looking for God. God came looking for Adam. And when he said, where are you, he wasn't trying to figure out the GPS coordinates for Adam. He knew where he was. He was saying, where are you? What's going on with you? He already knew, but he was trying to get Adam to come forth and to talk about what happened. Of course, he said, the woman deceived me, and the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and, and it's been blaming somebody else ever since. 
in Genesis 4, 6 through 7, the Bible says, The Lord said to Cain, when, uh, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Obviously, we understand uh, nowadays the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We understand that sin is uh, part and parcel of unredeemed man's nature. And Jesus came to free us from its clutches. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? So you can either be a slave of righteousness or you can be a slave of sin. Getting back to this verse, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. What I want you to see is that when Adam heeded the enemy's lie, manipulation, but it was a lie, Adam fell for it. I don't know whether Adam believed it was a lie or not, but he violated God's commandment. He embraced what the enemy said. When he did that, he presented himself to the enemy. He obeyed the voice of the enemy. And when he did that, he switched allegiances from God to the enemy. And he became a servant and a slave of the enemy. Now, why is that bad for us? Well, we'll get into that here in a minute. But just (laughs) since I'm already going there, for as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because we are in sin, people think, well, I'm a free moral agent. I don't serve anybody. The Bible teaches that if we sin, the Bible says for all have sinned, then we're a servant to the one we obey. We obey sin. Then what does that mean for us? That we are in another uh, uh, camp. We may not be following God, but we're following somebody. We're following the enemy. Right? There are no free moral agents. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're serving the devil. Well, I'm a good person. Well, you're a good person serving the devil. Right? It don't matter how good you are. It don't matter how bad you are. You're serving the devil. And you're in, you're in his, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're in his, uh, what were those camps called that the Jews were in? You're in his concentration camp. May not look like one, but you're in it. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. You are a slave to the one whom you obey. The, the, um, the person that originated uh, this, this, the lie originated the sin. We became obedient to him. Well, anyway, let's move on. What I want you to see is that man was the instrument through which the enemy was able to fill the earth with the enemy's ways. What is the ways of the enemy? He cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. What was the earth filled with? Violence. Is that the way of God? No, it's the way of the enemy. But man had become an instrument for the enemy, and now the earth was filled with the ways of of the enemy. What we need to see is that the original intent of God for man is that humanity would be the instrument through which God would fill the earth with his ways, with the ways of heaven. Genesis 1, 26 through 27, I already referred to it, but it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. It doesn't say let us, it says let them. Who is them? 
humanity, Adam and Eve, but basically all humanity. Let them have dominion in the earthly realm. So who did God give authority over in this realm, authority to in this realm? Man. Now, man was always supposed to be tied to God, but God didn't say, let us have dominion. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and the livestock over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. By the way, it doesn't say let man have authority or dominion over other men. It's important to say. All right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So the first thing we see is that God created Adam and Eve in his image and in his likeness. They were a reflection of of him. Whatever God was like, they were created in the image and the likeness of him. Thus, wherever they were at, wherever they went, they were uh, created to be an image bearer of God. The people that saw them, the, the plan was that they would see what God was like by seeing how they spoke and by watching what they did. You ever seen a a little, uh, in Spanish, uh, I remember one of my uh, relatives, there was like a two or three-year-old kid, and anything his dad did, he did. So if the dad stood like this, the kid would stand like this. If the dad did this, the kid would do this. And I said, well, look at that kid. He said, yeah, that kid's in the mono stage. Mono is a, is a, is a monkey. Copying everything, that's, that's what they called it back then. Now, whether that's what they call it in, in, in psychi psychiatric circles or in psychological circles, I don't know. But in, in Mexico, they called it the mono stage. <laughs> he's copying whatever you see, that's what he's copying. He's doing what he sees his parents doing, right? And that's basically where did Adam and Eve learn their ways. They were created in the image and the likeness of God. So what would they do in the earth? They would do whatever they saw their Papa doing. Whatever they saw God doing, that's what they were created to do. Wherever they were at, wherever they went, they were to be an image bearer of God. The people saw that, that saw them would see what God was like by how they spoke and by what they did. <clears throat> Their lives were bore his imprint, and as they functioned on the planet, they were to bring that imprint into the earth that they walked. As a reflection of him, God also gave them a purpose and a mission. God blessed them, Genesis 1, 28, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the word dominion here, by the way, the context is not to forcibly bring it into subjection, it's to steward it, to cause it to become all that it was created to be. Like a garden would not bear its, uh, its glory without a gardener to tend it. The earth needed a man and a woman, that's what we created, for it to become all that it was intended to be. All right? So, did you notice that the same word in this text about filling the earth was used in the original text that I started with? And the earth is filled with violence through them. So what they were created to do was fill the earth with the ways of God. 
what they didn't do was that because they were deceived and they became a slave of the enemy and they, they now begin to bear the imprint of the one whom they now served. And so now man, humanity, mankind was now uh, bringing not the way of God into the earth, but they were bringing the way of the enemy into the earth. Right? As humanity was being used by the enemy to fill the earth with the ways of darkness, the original intent for humanity is that they were to fill the earth with the ways of God. Now, the couple of things, people, I, I, I pulled out here in the book of Genesis. Have you noticed that I started reading again in the book of Genesis? <laughs> I usually, the Lord speaks to me wherever I'm reading, right? And it's amazing. I must have read the book of Genesis 100, 110, 120, maybe more times. And every time I go through it, I see something I didn't see before. God's amazing. And I, I, I read one, I think I read one verse, and, this, and the Lord spoke to me. I think uh, even after I went and I had my devotions that day, I went walking, and the Lord began to speak to me about the next verse. I hadn't even read the next verse yet. And the Lord began to speak to me, all right? So what I'm saying is that, is that there's so much uh, that God has for us if we'll just sit at his table, right? I want to encourage you to do that. But anyway, uh, let's look at Noah. The Bible says about Noah, as we started with this text, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Why was Noah righteous and blameless? Because he walked with God. Now, Noah was the only one in the earth that God, that found favor with God. Because the earth was filled with the ways of God? No, with the ways of the enemy. Noah was the only one seeking to bring the way of God into his life, into his family, into the earth, but he wasn't having any success. Right? So what does the Bible say? It said God... Bless Noah, whenever God had him build the ark, they got on the ark, the earth was destroyed, Noah came out of the ark, and by the way, I'm work, I've, I've written another message that I'll get back to in a minute, uh, and probably in a couple of weeks I'll preach on it, it's the deliverance of Noah. Noah was delivered from, but he wasn't just delivered from, he was delivered to. Too many Christians are just seeking to be delivered from. As a result, we never got around to being delivered to. Noah was put on the ark, yes, but he wasn't put on the ark to get him off the earth. He was put on the ark to keep him from what was coming so that God could put him back on the earth. God didn't deliver us out of darkness just to get you to heaven. God delivered you out of darkness so he could put you back in the earth and bring light. That's kind of what this message is about as well. All right? So God blessed Noah after, he, after uh, they got off the ark and his sons and said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, what kind of man was Noah? He was a 
righteous man. He walked with God. So God brought Noah back so that he could once again take up what the, um, the original intent and purpose of humankind was, was to fill the earth with righteousness. What is righteousness? That's that which is right in the eyes of God. To fill the earth with the ways of God. To be an image bearer for God. In the earth. Not in the church. In the earth. In your home. Some of you all say, hey, brother this, brother that, how you doing? And then you go home and you cuss like a sailor. I'm talking to people up there. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to camera. Right? Or also in your neighborhood, and your job, in your school. You shouldn't be one thing in church and another thing at your job. Because you're not called to just get to heaven. You're called to bring the way of God into where you are at. So are you bringing the ways of God into the life that you're living where you're at? Or are you bringing the ways of the enemy into the place where you're at? It's something to think about. Right? When I fly off the handle and and I go get out of control, am I bringing the ways of God or am I bringing the ways of the enemy? What is my original purpose and intent? I've got to bring the ways of God. God has called us to godliness, which is devotion to God, and God-likeness, which is living out what God is like in our lives. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what I'm trying to get you to realize is that God wasn't just trying to get rid of the earth of people. He wanted to still fill the earth with his ways. But he, had to, but he started over with Noah. And then he, then he looked and he said, that's not a good idea. So... Not that he didn't know that to begin with, but I'm just saying he's teaching us. It's not just getting rid of everybody. It's in, it's in everybody. So there had to be a different way. Well, anyway, let's move on to Abraham. So Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, what did God say? The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, Abraham came out of a very Abram came out of a very idolatrous, wicked culture. But somehow or another, Abraham had an encounter with God. I don't know the history of Abraham. The Bible doesn't reveal to us all the history of Abraham. But in some extracurricular books, it says Abraham was a seeker after God. Well, in his seeking after God, God made himself known to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, leave the environment that you're in and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, why? Well, if you go to Genesis 18, 17 through 19, this is what the Bible reveals to us. The Lord 
had showed up to Abraham's tent, him and a couple of angels. And it's, we find out in the middle of this that Abraham recognized it was the Lord. And uh, God had come down to see the, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah and whether he, what he was hearing. Now, the Lord knows. It's just for us to understand of what was going on and, and also to, to include Abraham and to teach Abraham and to teach us something. So anyway, he's, he's going towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He sends the angels off and he stays behind with Abraham. But before the angels take off, he says to them, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Isn't that what God said he was going to do in his life? And he says this, For I have chosen him, for what? That he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had promised him. Now, we're getting back to the original intent. Why did God choose Abraham? Yes, Abraham, God, he was a friend of God. He walked with God, all that kind of stuff. But what was the purpose for Abraham's life? It was to bring the way of God into the earth, into the area, into the place where he walked. What was the original intent of man? Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill it with what? The way of God, the ways of God, the righteousness of God. Why was Abraham important? Because he walked with God, he was a friend of God, and his purpose was to, uh, to keep the way of the Lord and to command his children and his children after that, the, the, uh, what would become the Jewish nation, to teach them how to bring the way of God into the earth. Am I making sense to you? This means yes. This means no. This means you had too many testatas. What God is revealing is that Abraham was to teach his children and his household the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. The Bible describes, uh, by the way, just don't let righteousness and justice throw you off. Very simple definition. Righteousness is that what is, what is right in the eyes of God, doing that which is right in the eyes of God. And I, use, I like to think of that as a vertical relationship with God. Righteousness. Justice is righteousness extended outward. So I bring the way of God into society, into my family, into the area around me. So righteousness is that which is right in the eyes of God, and then that which is right in the eyes of God. When I apply that to the lives of those around me, that is justice. Okay, and that's horizontal. So God is revealing that Abraham was to teach his children and his household the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. The Bible describes God's throne, the place where he rules, as being founded upon righteousness and justice. Um, Psalms 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Psalms 97 and 2, clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Now, sneak peek in the New Testament. What did Jesus say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God? Is, the, is that place where God rules and reigns. What is the foundation of God's rule and reign? Righteousness and justice. 
So whenever we get saved, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Then all of a sudden, God, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, 17, I says, uh, for, uh, it's not about meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What's the first part of that verse? Huh? Anybody remember? Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When the kingdom of God to manifest in this earth, it manifests in the hearts of men. For the kingdom of God to extend out into the earth, it has to flow through men. I hope you're seeing a picture here. The the, key, the, the domain of the enemy was moving out into the world through men in the text that we saw. But God's intent, even in the New Testament through Christ, we'll see that here in a minute, God is still getting back to the original intent for men is that we would bring righteousness and justice, the way of God, the kingdom of God into the earth. All right, before we get there. Let's go back to Israel. So God started with, tried with Noah. I shouldn't use that word. That wasn't the right word. God uh, began with Noah again. God worked with Abraham. Then Israel was to be God's instrument to bring righteousness and justice into the earth. Deuteronomy 8, 1, and then verse 6. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. So what was Israel supposed to do? Get to know God, live for God, and then fill the earth. Right? Isaiah 51, 4 through 5. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. So God wanted to do it with Israel, but Israel was not able to do it. Why? Because the problem was not the environment. The problem was here. It, it, this, this land needed to change owners. He whom you obey, you're slaves to the one whom you obey. As long as we were still uh, caught up in sin and not free from the entanglements of sin, we would still bring forth out of our lives, some better than others would do better than others, but ultimately man would still bring forth out of its lives, not the ways of God, but the ways of the enemy. And we've seen that throughout history, right? So then the Lord sends his son, Jesus. Remember, the original purpose of humanity was to fill the earth with God's way. God's way is righteousness and justice. Since man was corrupted, God intervened by sending his own son in the flesh. No sin. He that knew no sin. He was born sinless. Well, why? He came from uh, uh, the human race. He had a human mother, but he had God's the father for his father. So he was born human, just like you and I, but untainted with sin. Pure. Right? 
Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. By the way, another word for government is kingdom. Of the, uh, um, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, this translation says, I didn't realize it when I put it down here, it says came to seek and to save the lost. Another translation says, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, you can interpret it one of both ways. Obviously, the, this, this translation interpreted as came to save the lost being people, right? And that's true. We can find that in Scripture. That's what Jesus came to do. But I also believe that when it says came to seek and to save that which was lost, is that what we found is that Jesus came to win back the authority that Adam had delivered to the enemy. Man's authority. He had given him authority over the earth. Let them have dominion. But when he obeyed the enemy, the authority that he had became subject to the enemy because you become a servant to the one whom you obey. You say to yourself, can you prove that to me? Well, let's go to Luke 4, 5, and 7. It says, and the devil took him up and showed, talking to Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and it said to him, to you, Jesus, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? Adam. How did he deliver it to him? By listening to him. By heeding him. And he says, and I give it to whom I will. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't argue with him. Didn't say, yeah, that's wrong. That's a lie. Didn't say that. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus didn't argue with that point. And again, I'm not trying to bring out, you know, what Jesus did. What I'm trying to bring out here is that the enemy had an authority that he had taken from man. Remember, the Bible says, came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Jesus didn't just want us to get saved to go to heaven. Jesus wanted to restore us to our original purpose. Now, I want us to go to heaven. If all that happens is that we get to go to heaven, awesome. But God wants more for you and I and more for this planet than just to save a people and get us out. How do you know that? Because he didn't just deliver Israel from Egypt. He delivered them to the promised land. And the promised land is not a type of heaven because there are no giants in heaven. There are no enemy in heaven. 
So what, what we learn from that is that God is wanting to deliver us from so that he can deliver us to so that we can get back to what he intended for us, which is to bring the ways of God into the planet, which is why he taught us to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, I got ahead of myself. Let me go back. Matthew 4, 13 through 17. Leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness. By the way, it's not just the land of Zebulun and Naphtali that were dwelling in darkness. The whole earth is dwelling in darkness. But Jesus was on the earth in one place. And so what we see happening in Jesus in one place is what God wanted to have happen everywhere. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did that look like? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Luke 17, 20 through 21, being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Another translation says, the kingdom of God is within you. What are the foundations of the kingdom? The throne, righteousness, and justice. Romans 14 and 17 I didn't know I had this down here. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. John 7 and 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now why is that important? Because, as I said to you before, we cannot enter into the kingdom unless we have been born of water and of the Spirit, right? What is, the, what is it? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Who lives within us? Holy Spirit. So in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within us. But God doesn't want righteousness and justice to stay within us. It wants us to come out of us. Like a river. Going out. Touching people. Touching life. Because that's the original intent. What was the original intent? Fill the earth with what? The ways of God righteousness and justice. See, if you don't understand what your purpose is, you're just going to come to church, do what you need to do to make sure that when you die, you go to heaven. 
But you know what? That's the, that's the starting point, not the ending point. God wants us to bring his ways, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and I will say it again until we get it, into the earth, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our gatherings, into our jobs, into our schools, into every dimension of our life. Is what he wants from us. So that righteousness and justice come into your home. And people say, what's different about your family? Oh, I'm just waiting to get to heaven. No. What's different about your family is that you're living in a way that reflects who God is like and what God does. Right? John 14, 12 through 17, Jesus has said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, greater works than these, will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth and the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So my purpose, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that when you were born again, God dealt with that sin thing. So you now have the freedom to allow the kingdom of God to flow through your life. To be what God intended for us to be from the very beginning of time. From the beginning of his creation, to, to, to walk in this world as a reflection of his image and his likeness. And he dealt with the sin issue at the cross of Calvary. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now here's the thing. Ephesians 4 and 1 says, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What did he call you? Righteous. All right, I'm righteous. Now I've got to learn how to walk in a manner that reflects what he has called me to be. Am I making sense to you? All right. Now we come to Matthew 28. We know this one. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He didn't say some authority. He didn't say authority in heaven, but not on earth. He said all authority. He had authority in heaven, and he came and got back the authority that Adam had given away. So now Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And now, in right relationship with him, because remember, God said, let them have dominion. God wasn't going to do it. He was going to do it through his people that were in right relationship with him. They were in the garden. They walked with God, and they were supposed to bring the ways of God into the planet. So they messed up. Jesus comes back, gets authority back. And what's the first thing he says? Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To me, that sounds like fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? Righteousness and justice, the ways of God. I'm making sense to you. John 17, 14 through 18, Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. What are we all waiting for? To get out of the world. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hold on until Jesus comes back. That's what the Israelite army was doing when Goliath was intimidating them. I'm glad David didn't fall into that mindset. I'm just going to hold on until God rescues me. David said, something's wrong with this picture. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? I'll go and deal with that giant. Not because of who I am, but because I know the covenant. I know God. I know God's will. I know God's purpose. And I will go. And just as God used me to kill the lion and the bear, God's going to use me to take that head off that giant. But if we're just hiding out in our tents waiting for Jesus to come back, Goliath's going to have his way. And he has been having his way. Because the church has been living in fear and intimidation. Because we don't know our purpose. We don't know what we've been called to do. We've been called to fill the earth. With what? The kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he called the disciples together, Luke 9, 1 through 2. And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. To heal bodies. To heal families. To heal systems, businesses, organizations. What does a healed something look like? looks like heaven. How do we do that? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And last, finally, Matthew 10, 7 through 8. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. You receive without paying, give without paying. 
Why do, we, why do we want to live a long life and be fruitless and be ineffective? Well, if I just stay out of any trouble, just stay out of harm, don't get involved in anything, I'm just going to going to just keep myself from any kind of situation and I'm just going to make it to heaven. No, I believe the Lord's looking for people that are willing to stand up. People that are saying no to the ways of the world and we're seeing it more and more and the and and they're going to do like the Bible says and they're going to rise and shine. For the glory of the Lord has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. I'm, I want God to see what He paid for in us and through us. I want us to live long lives. But I'd rather die fighting than hiding. I'd rather die being useful than ineffective. And I'm calling, I guess the Lord is calling us. It's not our fight, it's his fight. And he's not fighting from defeat, he's already won the victory. But he's sending us out into the world to do a mop-up, clean-up, to move the enemy that's still resisting off of that which God paid a price for. But it's going to take a people of courage. Not courage in themselves, but boldness in God. We, we read, I read the pages of the New Testament, and I see the disciples uh, being willing to go to jail, being willing to defy authority, being willing, not because they're, they're wanting to be rebellious, but because they're wanting to do what God commanded them to do, and nothing will stop them. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because they loved not their lives even unto death. Maybe what's going to change the next generation is not a people that are just faithful to go sit in a pew, but a people that are standing up and willing to live for God even at the cost of their own lives. Maybe they haven't found God worth living for because they haven't seen a people that are living for him. And I'm not talking about just going to church. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm calling us to more. More. Something that's not worth dying for is not worth living for.